A very sober and recording the traditional English way. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 310, I think, isn't it? Yes. Of Hand of Pod. The internet's best, last, first, and worst as well, because we're the only English-language Argentine football podcast. I'm Sam Kelly, and I am joined by my ever, ever trustworthy assistant, Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. Welcome, Andres. Thank you. Uh, when I said the traditional English way, what I meant was that I'm drinking a cup of tea while recording this because I had to take a nap in the middle of the afternoon and I woke up a bit later from it than expected. So I'm going to switch to Fener in the second half. Andres is already boozing. Um, we are recording ever so slightly earlier than normal today, um, but not an awful lot because Andres has to get off after the show. Here goes. The scores, first of all, from the Superliga weekend that went... Argentinos Juniors 2, Lanús 0, and San Martín de San Juan 1, Huracán 2 on Friday evening. On Saturday, Defensa Justicia and Belgrano drew 1-1 in Florencio Barrela. Banfield and Patronato um, finished 1-0 to Banfield. Tacheres beat Godoy Cruz 1-0 to get their first win of the season. And San Lorenzo versus River, inevitably, really in hindsight, ended in a draw. Um, but surprisingly, given River's recent records, it was a score draw, 1-1. Racing versus Central, which was the 11 o'clock kickoff on Sunday, finished 2-0 to Racing, which means Central lost their perfect start to the season, and Racing leapfrogged them. That game kicked off as second against fir- first, and at full time, it had flipped. It was first against second. Estudiantes versus Independiente ended 2-2 in Quilmes. Aldo Civi lost 2-0 to Tigre in Mar del Plata. Colón and Unión in the Clásico Santa Fecino. Nothing happened, including any goals. 0-0. Um, Boca Juniors beat Vélez Sarsfield 3-0 in the Bombonera in the evening. And then on Monday, Newell's Old Boys won Atlético Tucumán 2 and San Martín de Tucumán won Gimnasia La Plata 1. Where to start? I guess we should start with River, get it over and done with. Um, we should also mention however, the Copa Libertadores because there's national team stuff to talk about this week and so we're going to mix things up a little bit from the normal um, format in as much as we have a normal format on this show. And we're going to talk about the Libertadores and the Sudamericana, uh, sorry, the Libertadores and the Superliga um, both together in this first half of the show. So since we recorded last week, those of you who carried on listening until the end um, of the theme music last week for the full-time score, we'll have heard already that River Plate beat Racing 3-0 in that second leg, which means that they go through. They're into the quarterfinals of the Copa Libertadores, where they will play, as we already knew when we recorded last week, Independiente, who beat Santos 3-0, or didn't beat Santos 3-0, but beat Santos 3-0. 
Um, Estudiantes went out. We also mentioned that last week because that was also played on Tuesday, wasn't it? I just realised as I was saying that. Um, after that late uh, winner on the night and went out on penalties to Gremio, um, who will play the big shock of the round, Atletico Tucumán, the other Argentine side in that half of the draw, who only lost 1-0 in Medellín to Atletico Nacional and as a result go through 2-1 on aggregate, their first ever Copa Libertadores quarter-final. And as a result, Jorge Almirón, the coach that Mauricio Macri Mm. wanted to uh, sit in the bench of the national team, uh, finally quit Um, and his resign was accepted by the by the well, directors. Yeah, so well at, so he did so well at Lanús. Sorry, I, I started that sentence halfway through. He, he did very well at Lanús, um, and then he had that frustrated attempt to become manager of Las Palmas in Spain, um, so took over at Nacional instead, and has not done well at all by all accounts, either in the league um, or in, in the Cups. Um, and in the other half of the draw, Boca Juniors remain very much alive. They are going to be playing Cruzeiro, uh, who like Atletico Tucumán actually won the first leg 2-0 and then lost the second leg 1-0 unusually both of those victories in Cruzeiro-Flamengo were away ones Cruzeiro uh, beat Flamengo in Rio de Janeiro and then Flamengo beat Cruzeiro in Belo Horizonte Um, they will play Boca who beat Libertad 4-2 in Asuncion last Thursday for a 6-2 aggregate win Um, which I guess we will get onto in a minute when we talk about Boca, but I was I was going through that quickly because we're about to talk about River, who didn't seem in the first half to be suffering from much of a continental hangover for a change, and then in the second half they they dropped off against San Lorenzo. Um, it's something. It? It's no new. Nothing uh, that we could say as a as a uh, thing we haven't talked about because uh, it's. Great how River plays in the continental competitions, but they play so high and so energetic and with uh, uh, such a mentality that then in the in the Superliga, like they have been showing uh, during this time, they can't uh, even that, and and they they end up uh, playing of course poor, uh, poorer in a poorer way than they did in the in the Copa Libertadores and. Um, like they, like, I wouldn't say that they had a, another way of facing the match, but they looked much. Of course, they were tired, or they were not with the same energy. Or Marcelo Gallardo say, uh, tell their, their play, uh, his, his players uh, to fight the ball with the, with their heads, with their heads, for the Copa Libertadores, and then they, he doesn't say the same thing. Uh, for for the Superliga, some yeah. because it's really uh, well. Of course, I I I, uh, I am glad for for River to advance for uh, to the quarterfinals of the Copa Libertadores and and playing the way they played against Racing with that intensity and that mentality that we we, we want them to play every match. And then in the Superliga, they were again uh, uh, failing to 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 do something similar. Um, and, and against Racing it was uh, uh, remarkable because Racing is the one who had been showing that intensity, that uh, energy mm. and that not letting play the, the, the rivals and in the case of Copa Torres it was the other way Yeah, uh, yeah. River um, smashed Racing really in, in the first half especially I think it was, if I remember rightly, it was 2-0 at half time wasn't it and then the third goal came in the second half but it could have been 3 
at half time without really flattering River um, in in that tie. And they could have had more than one goal, I think, um, against San Lorenzo in the first half as well. The goal that eventually came was a fantastic uh, run and finish from Fernando Quintero, who as a result has his second River Plate goal um, after uh, the free kick, if I remember rightly, that he scored against Arsenal last season. Um, uh, in the second half, uh, Nicolas Blandi equalised for San Lorenzo, which means that Franco Almani has conceded at last. Um, Finally. Indeed, his run ended at 965 minutes. Excuse me, that, that was a sneeze, if you like. Uh, it was actually something down in the street, I don't know what. Um, Armani's run ended at 965 minutes without conceding. I don't know whether that includes stoppage time, um, because there was a minute of stoppage time at the end of the first half, and the count that the statisticians on Twitter were giving during the game did not appear to include it, which means that we don't know whether any of the stoppage time that he went without conceding has been counted. We don't know whether any of the stoppage time that the other gentlemen um, who went longer than him uh, without conceding was counted either, or indeed whether that, in some cases, can be counted after the game, because it's difficult to find out how much there was exactly, isn't it? Um, So it's possible that that Armani went quite a bit longer than 965 minutes. Um, And I said gentlemen, you will have noticed. Um... It turns out, if you were listening last week, you might have heard me say that the record that I had seen on Twitter was lots of people saying, oh, it's the professional era record and nobody making clear whether there was, in fact, a longer run in the amateur era. And I said last week, I doubt it because there were so many goals going in all the time in the amateur era. You know, We're talking about Argentine football up to 1930 and including 1930, basically. Um, it turns out that there was a longer run in the amateur era, which only came to light after Armani, um, Armani's run ended. So the longest professional era run um, is, as we mentioned last week, from the Ferro goalkeeper, uh, Carlos Baricio, who is 110 minutes um, ahead of Armani. Well, not ahead of anymore, is he? 110 minutes better than Armani, let's say, um, for now, unless Armani has another go. Um, or indeed, unless anybody else in the league has another go, uh, at 1,075 minutes in 1982. But in 1921, the very end of 1920, I think the run started, if I remember rightly from what I read the other day, um, and into the, the, the bulk of 1921, Marcos Crossi, who was keeping goal for Racing at the time, went 1,077 minutes which means that Barisio missed out on the actual all-time record by two minutes. Um, but he was doing it at a time when absolutely nobody cared about the amateur era, seemingly. Um, very few people care about it now, either, even though if you're going to say all-time, then it should mean all-time. Um, so that is is the record that uh, Armani was, in some ways, so close to getting to, and in so many other ways, so far from it. Um, so that, that, that run is over. But yeah, I mean, the match as a whole, I think the draw was probably... A, the right result yeah. overall because San Lorenzo improved quite a bit after the second half um, but it's another it, it's a fourth consecutive draw for River I think I'm right in saying it's a fourth consecutive draw for San Lorenzo as well yes um, there are four four points each with four draws yes. in in the league yes. so it's um, it's frustrating for both of those sides one side who didn't have any frustrations were Boca Juniors who in the league had uh, lost one and drawn one of their previous two matches, but got back to winning ways in the Bombonera with a 3-0 win over Vélez Sarsfield. It was about the least inspiring 3-0 win I can remember watching. Um, The second goal in particular came from a penalty by Edwin Cardona, which shouldn't have been given. 
Um, Carlos yes. Tevez did very well to win it, but it, it wasn't a penalty. Um, that's not any river bias or anti-Boca bias or cutting out at all. In, no, in fact, River should have. Uh, Sanosa should have awarded, been awarded a penalty that uh, committed by. Oh, uh, I didn't see this, but yeah, I, I yes. heard Elbog, that. He elbowed the he ball, it, yeah. uh, and then the, the most funny thing is that Silvio Truco, the, the uh, it was Silvio Truco, the, the referee, um, mm-hmm. asked him, asked, asked uh, Enzo Perez where the ball had had uh, uh, had touched him, and, and he said in the chest, of course, here. Yeah. Jorge Balinio. <laughs> ah, Balinio, sorry. Um, but he was clearly elbowed uh, from Enzo Perez, and well, that penalty should have been awarded. To San Lorenzo, that proves that we are River fans, but we well, we say that when when there is something clear that the River was fa- favored, yes, favored, we say it indeed. Um, and uh, Boca had that um, fortune, let's say, five minutes before half time. Christian Pavon has got his scoring boots back on there. Um, and interestingly, given that we have talked a fair bit about Mauro Sarate playing as a false nine, not being able to do it because he's not a number nine. And Guillermo Barrasquerotto saying he's a number nine. We're, we're, we're playing him here, um, in spite of all of the the people in the in the press corps asking him why he was continuing to do this nonsensical thing. Um, Dario Benedetto returned for Boca on Thursday night um, against uh, Libertad in the Libertadores, and the goals returned, and it was as if they were attacking with a focus again. And on Sunday, uh, Ramon Avila was the main striker, and again. He was dropping off, he was linking the play, he was playing balls in, and that was pretty much how Pabon's opening goal came, uh, cleanly taken. It, it's, you know, we're, we're probably not going to see a return from Boca to this uh, shapeless attack that we saw um, with uh, with Sarate given the number nine role, you would think, because... Even though he keeps insisting that Sarate definitely can't play there, he, he said that. And the other day against Libertad, Sarate played clearly as more as an enganche than as a striker. Precisely, yeah. Which, which is what he's used to, let's say, a second striker or a number ten kind of role. He um, he assisted brilliantly uh, to Benedetto, who uh, also assist, assisted Pavon to score against Libertad as the yeah. I think it was. And yes, clearly, and Benedetto were was uh, in the match against Vélez, uh, involved more in the ge- in the play, role play, of playing when he jumped into the match than as a classic number nine also, even when he had a, a, a good opportunity that Dominguez saved. But yes, uh, they, they are strikers that can, can play as also second strikers, not, so, not only as the natural number nine. Uh, but, but yes, Arate is uh, by no reason or by no means a, a natural number nine. He he's uh, proved against Libertad that that he he can play more uh, uh, behind the the, the the strikers and assist like he did to Benedetto, for yeah. example. Um, I, I'm going to say as well. I'm I'm glad to see um, Benedetto back as well because that was a really nasty injury that he suffered at the end of last year. And then, yes. as we mentioned last week, I think um, he had he picked up an Achilles injury as well in. Like July, I think it was, yes. um, which has really hampered his progress, and uh, so it, it's it's nice to see him make a return. And you know, okay, I I don't particularly like Boca as a team, um, but it's 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 kind of heartening as well, I think, to to see a player come back from that long length long uh, layoff, um, and a doesn't appear to have lost any pace or any form during the injury, 
and B's come straight back in and, and, and made a real difference to his team again. In, in my case, I have two uh, reactions. One, which is uh, the one who watches football, and of course, it's good for him to be back at the at the, at the uh, at, at, for, to football, of course. And uh, as a, as a supporter, I don't like uh, not that he's back because, of course, he can score a lot of goals for Boca, and as long as he doesn't score against River, it's okay. But he some some time ago he mocked River, saying that they don't play well, that they, there are a lot of teams better than River, especially when River uh, went out of the Copa Libertadores against Lanús, and uh, that the only pl- team he wouldn't play in Argentina is River. But a lot of non- nonsense uh, mm. talking about the the uh, for, for for supporters m- more than uh, being o- objective. Yeah, which is always a little disappointing, but um, but uh, yes, I think it's nice to see him. Yes, after such a horrible injury, it's, it's nice to see him back. Uh, we should talk about the new leaders next. I think Racing with a very comfortable win indeed over Rosario Central to put to bed um, the ghosts of that Copa Libertadores elimination a few days before um, at the hands of River. Lisandro Lopez scored twice, once in the first half. Once in the second, unfortunately for him, the one that he got in the first half was disallowed for offside, correctly, as it turned out, albeit quite narrowly, um, which means that uh, he only managed to get credited with one goal, obviously, and Augusto Solari um, got the second. It was a really good performance, I thought, from Racing, because you couldn't. it was difficult to say that Central had sort of dropped off an enormous amount. Obviously, I mean, they weren't as good as they were in winning their first three games, but it wasn't really that they played any worse. Racing just, you know, fronted up to the challenge and, and got the better of them. And, and he, Lisandro, proved to be a positive leader, like we say here, a leader positivo, uh, because after losing against River, he didn't put any excuses, said, said that River was clear, uh, better, clearly better, and they deserved the win. But they said that they had the opportunity to grab the leadership on Sunday, which they did, and not and, and not to uh, t- uh, to leave it uh, anymore. I mean, uh, they they were uh, or he was uh, aware of what they were playing independently of being out of Copa Libertadores, uh, a, a competition that of course any team uh, desires to win. But uh, um, he said that that they have to of course. Uh, uh, Try that to, to leave behind the elimination and uh, focus on the on the Superliga, which is quite difficult after losing like they did against River, and they did it. They uh, finally went better than, than than Rosario Central, and they were, of course, it's too early to to predict something uh, or, or that they are the candidates or something like that. But they uh, the words by uh, uh, that that uh, Lisandro Lopez said were in that sense that they had this opportunity and they didn't want to uh, leave it behind and well, uh, they took advantage of that of that opportunity. Lisandro Lopez also hinted that he might be retiring from football at the end of the year, but that's probably a subject for another day because he basically said, I'm going to have to think about it. So, you know, yes. he, he might end up going on. Um, but we shall see. But yeah, he, he's, uh, he, he was a more stable figure. For Racing than um, Centurion, for example, than Ricardo Centurion, or indeed than Enzo Perez was for Ribera on Thursday night in the yes. Libertadores. Um, after River's third goal went in, Enzo Perez um, taunted Centurion. He told him to start showing off now, 
basically. Um, and Centurion's response uh, ensured that he got a red card, as well as Enzo Perez getting a red card from the referee. Um, and was then... It, it's caused a bit of a rupture with the Racing fans as well, I think, because he started shouting about how I've beaten you, I meaning Ricardo Centurion, and you meaning River, um... 4-0 or 4-2 or four whatever two. the score I was in a team that scored 4 against you and then started drawing um, a horizontal band across his chest to make clear that he was talking about uh, a the, it was a pre-season friendly that wasn't it or was it the league no the, the league it was in the league oh of yes. course it was yeah yeah um, to make uh, clear that he was talking about his time at Boca Juniors which obviously if you're playing for one team um, in a continental competition or in the league really uh, and you start taunting your opponents or, or reacting angrily to your opponents by making reference to something you did whilst playing for another team um, it's not a particularly good look in the eyes of your current fans um, this has led to some rumours that Racing might be willing to let Ricardo Centurion go uh, in um, to, to, to a foreign club because of course the transfer window is still I mean, well, they can sell whatever they want, can't they, if, if somebody else is willing to buy. Um, he did not play against Rosario Central. He was on the bench, didn't come off. Uh, or, or didn't come off yet, yeah, didn't come off the bench. He didn't go on the pit, get on the pitch. I, I'm not sure um, whether he will be fine or something. Uh, at, at least he, of course, apologized to the supporters of Racing because playing for Racing, you are like saying, I am a Boca supporter or something like that. And. and Uh, well, that's something that obviously Racing supporters won't like, and he was—I don't know if he was aware of that or someone at Racing said, "Look, you have to apologize, Racing supporters, unless you want to, of course, be crucified." Or it's it's Ricardo Centurion, so I'm not sure we should um, credit him with too much of a thought process. Yes. Um, but yeah, that that happened, unfortunately. But on Sunday, uh, when the announcer is uh, named. Lisandro Lopez, it was all up, all of the innovation, and when he named Centurion, there were some whistles. Yeah. That, that proves that his image is not the best no, at this time. Indeed. That match was followed by the obligatory, there was only one this weekend, but there was still one, 2-2 draw in Quilmes, because Estudiantes Stadium, as we mentioned last week, still isn't finished, uh, and they still can't use the Ciudad de la Plata for some reason. Um... It was uh, another game in which one team went 2-0 up and the other team came back from 2-0 down to draw it. Uh, Francisco Apaulasa scored an equal... Uh, no, sorry, an equaliser, the opener. Um, he is the youngster who we mentioned a couple of weeks ago because he scored that golazo in the first leg against Gremio in yes. the Libertadores. Matias Pellegrini got the second. And really, Estudiantes continued to sort of being in control of the rest of the first half they didn't give an awful lot away and it looked like it was going to be a pretty comfortable win particularly given how Independiente much like River have this habit of you know yeah playing some nice football but they find it difficult to actually put chances away a lot of the time um, and then Independiente uh, scored twice through Brian Romero and Ser Silvio Romero who the Romeros I do not think are related to each other But I think that we have to start referring Brian to the Romero, Romero brothers. But Brian Romero was clearly, clearly offside. It was even it was absurd how the the lineman didn't mark that. I can't remember. Yes, it was a pass. I think from Silvio Romero to Brian Romero. I don't know. If, I don't remember whether it was Romero, Silvio, the one who assisted Brian, but uh, it was an assist, and Romero was 
really, really, it was clear offside. Huh. I, I can't remember he, it at all. He just, he, Brian Romero had only to, uh, to uh, well, put the ball into the net because it was uh, him himself alone mm. to, to, to score. Um, Silvio, uh, the, uh, I don't know, I think he's the older of the Romero brothers, um, equalised. And it looked like this had set up a really nice second half in which we were going to maybe see a trading of, of goals and attacks and whatnot. And actually, it, you know, after that point, it, it was reasonably entertaining, but we didn't see any more goals. Um, so it, once again, a 2-2 draw. And a team who have broken the curse, however, of the 2-2 draws are Tigre. Because they once again scored twice, but this time they managed to not concede two. So that run of 2-2 draws ends at three at the beginning of the season. Uh, they got a 2-0 win over Aldo Sibi. They must have been having deja vu, because they went 2-0 up after six minutes. Yes, um, same as in San Lorenzo. Yeah. 2-0 yes. uh, up after six minutes, and then they must have... And, and when it became apparent a bit later on that they weren't going to be able to get the third, they must have been thinking... Oh no! This isn't going to happen again. The best, the worst result, as you have been saying. Indeed, uh, the most dangerous lead. Um, but Aldo Civi are not quite as good as some of the teams who Tigre have already played. I thought apparently. they will be. Of course, they started with Pisano and, and some other guys better than Aldo Civi. We are used to to watch, and but now now they they are back, like Carlos Tevez will say, back to normality. Mm. And Tigre, I will I would like to mention. Um, Look at Menosi because uh, now, for example, we, I know we will talk about national team later, but Ezequiel Palacios, the River midfielder, has been called up and apparently he will be in a starting lineup against Guatemala. Yeah. But Lucas Menosi is, uh, I, I would say, a, a midfielder that aren't a lot in Argentine football. I will compare him to Palacios, for example. Hmm. But I think that he hasn't been uh, taken into account because he's, he plays for Tigre. And of course, the press and marketing has to do with that. But uh, I, I, I uh, not because of the golazos he has scored against San Lorenzo and the other day against Aldo Civi. Yeah. But yes, it's, uh, he has been performing very well uh, recently. Um, I'm just good. He's 26 already, so he's not as. Yes, not I, the, I was thinking the, he was a bit younger kid, because. Yes. I mean, yeah, he's been with Tigre in his whole career. Uh, 2012 was when he started out. Um, Oh, it's because he's so little, that's why I thought he was younger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I've just spotted his height on his Wikipedia page. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And even, you know, 26, it's not as if he's particularly old. Um, yes. But, as you say, playing for a, uh, no offence Tigre fans, but for a less fashionable club is is not something that's going to get you a media lobby behind you in this country. Yes, because the other day it was just a, a, a goal of a player that knows how to play. I mean it's not a casualty mm. he he wanted to put the ball where he put it and, and he built the play with I think uh, Diego Morales or well I don't uh, remember exactly the other guy who when, whom he built the uh, one two. I think it was Morales but yes it's uh, he showed the quality he has and of course well I, I compare him with Palacios because he, Palacios, he deserves the call up but uh, um, uh, well, uh, Menosi is another, I think, great value. But like we are saying, he plays for Tigre. I'm just wondering whether he's had some injury problems or or, or whatnot. Because if his numbers on on Wikipedia again um, are are correct, another reason that 
I had thought he was a little bit younger Injuries. than he was. Is that he's only played eighty games since twenty twelve? If if this those stats oh. are up to date, uh, which isn't a hell of a lot. I mean, what is that? Eighty and six years is fifteen matches per, per year or less. Eighty divided by six is thirteen games a year. Um, so either the Wikipedia numbers are, are out of date by a, a, at least a couple of years, you would hope, or um, he has had difficulty getting into Tigre's team. But, I mean, this certainly. With the way that he started in two goals in his opening four matches, he um, has been as linked well as an assist in I can't remember which game it was. Um, I think when River Hans still signed Enzo Perez, Menosi was named for, mm. as a possibility for River. Then I, I think it was all, all, all smoke by his agent, perhaps, but uh, he was named as a possibility. Indeed. Um, But well done, Tigre, and well done, Mr. Menossi, and we will be looking out for you to continue the good form of this season uh, individually. Um, Tacheres. Yeah, Tacheres, we have uh, a, a question in the. Well, we, of course, we will read the questions later, but Tigre, uh, sorry, Tacheres perhaps has come back to the uh, times in which Kudelka were in the bench, with, even when his goal, scoring his goal in the last minutes of the. Of the match with mm. the junior areas, uh, I think it was better form that he they were showing before. Yeah, they looked much improved to me. They're more organized and a bit more combative than, than in their previous games. Um, they meant that they, they beat Godoy Cruz as we mentioned earlier, uh, and that's their first yes. win of the season. So they're up and running, but it's going to be a torn order still to improve to the level that um, that is going to see them match in what they managed last season, that second place finish. Yes, and one one key point was, and we have that's why I, I said that we will read the questions later. But there was the Peruvian centre back uh, Araujo mm-hmm. that uh, almost blocked um, Santiago Garcia, the Moro Garcia, who's one of the best strikers in Argentina, were a lot of goals in the last season, even when he had uh, Garro as a score as a, a attack mate, we will say. Um, but uh, it was really, really uh, great performance, and now he has, has been called up for the Peru uh, friendlies against uh, Holland and think uh, I, I think and Germany. So interesting. Yes, we'll see how we get on. Um, and well done, particularly to Atletico Tucumán, who, unlike yes. unlike certain bigger clubs that we could mention, um, definitely did not suffer any continental hangover effect. Uh, because they got a 2-1 win away to Newell's Old Boys right after that historic um, Libertadores quarter-final qualification with a partly rotated team. I think that I am correct in saying, yeah, it, it's a fair few num- names that are different there, but the, you know, the attack and the midfielder, um, the, the bulk of them are the same. Um, it's not going to be an easy uh, thing for them to do because they have a relegation battle as well as a Libertadores Um, run to concentrate on but beating Newell's was, was a big win for them yes. because Newell's are, are also sort of in the upper reaches of that relegation battle let's say but they are in it um, and it was uh, by all accounts because I didn't catch the game myself when it was on and it didn't get replayed at a time that I was able to watch afterwards um, but it was a, a pretty good performance for yes, them as well because as, as I said I think last episode that the, uh, the, the even the The players and the and the directors and, and uh, everyone at Atletico Tucumán were quite happy. Of course, 
uh, touched that they are advancing Copa Libertadores, but they were aware of how hard will be the fight in the in the relegation zone in Super, Superliga. But with uh, uh, results like this, uh, they are doing it well in both sides, and of course, uh, wouldn't be so uh, strange for them to lower their performances when they are so high in one competition, like for example mm -hmm. River, and uh, to be a bit lower in the in the other. But no, in this case, they are showing consistent uh, performances in both in both sides, and uh, something well. Uh, I, I was going to say that Zielinski is the, is the coach and uh, some, there are some times in which the coach has more to do than some others and in this case as well as he were, were with Belgrano I think Zielinski is doing a great job there in Tucumán Yes indeed and it's nice to see him getting his teeth back into a job and showing what he can do as well after that slightly faltering um, time in charge of Racing where it was maybe I mean, I, I don't know. After a few games in charge of a much bigger club than he'd been in charge of before, I don't want to say maybe he's just not a big club manager. Maybe he could have proven himself to be if yes. he got a longer chance. But uh, like Alfaro, for example, like Alfaro, fit, yes, you know? some some coaches that are good, but they are perhaps at least in teams that uh, aren't so demanded the results. No, exactly, and and equally, it yes. would be interesting to see. Marcelo Gallardo or Eduardo yes. Caudet in charge of a club like Belgrano or Atletico Tucumán. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they wouldn't do quite as, as well themselves there. Um, it was a good enough result, and as Andres says, they have been Atletico Tucumán consistent enough that they are now third after four matches. Um, after the next round of games, I, I realised while recording Underpod Extra on Sunday night, um, we're going to be basically a fifth of the way through the season. So... Although it seems a bit silly to be reading out the league table four matches in, I'm going to do it anyway because well, there's a significant chunk of the season gone down already. Uh, Racing are top with 10 points and uh, there are a bunch of teams still unbeaten. So Racing are not one of the few teams left unbeaten. I think about half the league still hasn't lost. Um, but they have won three and drawn one. Central, as I said earlier, are now second after going into that clash with Racing on top of the table uh, with nine. Atletico Tucumán have eight and then there are three clubs uh, separated only on goal difference. In fact, two of them aren't even separated on goal difference or goals scored. Uh, Boca Juniors have a goal difference of plus two with seven points in fourth. Banfield and Godoy Cruz both have identical records. Played two, drawn, uh, sorry, won two, drawn one, lost one. Um, scored three and conceded two so far on seven points each. And then there are a whole bunch of teams on six and five points. I'm not going to bother reading those. In the relegation battle which is what we were just talking about with regards to Atletico Tucumán as well, underlining how big that win against Newell's was, Atletico Tucumán have now leapfrogged Newell's. Um, oh, they haven't quite. That's on alphabetical order because it, their name starts with an A. Um, they have drawn level with Newell's. They are joint 19th in the uh, relegation table. The relegation zone consists at the moment of San Martín de Tucumán, who, once again, I'll remind you, have played one fewer game than everybody else this season because their opener with Independiente was postponed, um, who have only two points for three games so far. And then the other sides have all played 61 games, as everybody else has, um, apart from Aldo Civi. Uh, Tigre Patronato and San Martín de San Juan are the other teams in the relegation zone. Uh, there's a one-point gap to Belgrano and a three-point gap between San Martín de San Juan and Gimnasia on 74 points. And then you get Newell's and Atletico Tucumán, both three points ahead of Gimnasia, so six points clear now of the relegation zone. Um, it's going to 
you know, it, it's going to need a sustained effort from Atletico Tucumán, from Newells, from Vélez, who are just a couple of points above them, um, and Union and, and Lanús. Wow, Lanús are down there as well on, on 81 points. Um, that's 10 points clear of, of San Martín de San Juan. Um, it's going to take a sustained effort, but I, I think that they'll be okay. Well, but Atletico Tucumán have eight points this season already, and the second highest tally of anybody down in that bottom half of the table um, is Belgrano six and Tigre on six. So we could see some movement from those two sides if they can keep up their current form after the international break. Well, but you said that Atletico Tucumán and Newell's are level, and just they have just played each other. Yes, uh, exactly. That's so why, they, yes. They're, they're heading in opposite directions, I would say, because Newell's have got one point so far this season. And Atletico Tucumán, as I just said, have got eight. Um, we're going to take a half-time break now. I'm going to refill Andres's glass, and I'm going to fill my own one up for the first time with some Fernet, because I've finished my tea some time ago. Um, don't go away. National team have two prestigious friendlies um, in the United States over the next few days, six days. Uh, Tuesday's the second one, isn't it? Yes. So they'll have played both of them by the time we next record. The first one is being played a little bit annoyingly um, at midnight Argentine time on Friday night uh, in California, which is why it's being played so late in the day here. Um, I mean, it's not too annoying, because at least it's on a Friday, and it's not as if people in Buenos Aires, at least, uh, tend to go to bed particularly early. Um, but I'm sure it'll manage to put out some people. Um, that is against Guatemala. And then on Tuesday, I don't know at what time. Do you? I think it's 9pm. That's a little bit more sensible. 9pm-ish on Tuesday uh, in New Jersey, they play Colombia, which is a little bit of a bigger clash. Uh, Colombia, who've just lost their manager, I've just realised, yes, while saying a, that. That's another news uh, that is related to perhaps national team. Uh, and I, re I remember that because you mentioned Colombia, of course, that finally um, Jose Pacaman won't continue as Colombia national team manager or coach uh, as he br uh, did uh, or said in, at the press conference that, uh, well, it was some some mysterious, some mystery around because he said that he wouldn't say why he was uh, uh, leaving Colombian national team, but the case is that he is no more uh, the coach, and uh, we don't know whether he will he's a, an, a, a eligible to to be in the future the coach of the Argentine national team, mm. but he tried to. Uh, well, say that he said that uh, the rumors that uh, were installed by Colombian press that uh, he uh, didn't uh, uh, well he delayed his decision uh, that finally is that he won't be uh, the coach anymore. If he will continue or not was because he was uh, listening to offers of other uh, uh, national teams and he said that this was this was false. Um, that he had some problems, family, familiar problems related to his, I think his 
well, no brother or sister, I don't, uh, I don't remember right uh, exactly, but he had some problems with his family, mm-hmm. and that w- that destroyed him, and that he does something to do with more with personal stuff than with uh, uh, offers or, or or well or talking with other 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 teams. Uh, so we, we we don't know whether he will uh, even talk with uh, Chiqui Tapia or, or any member of the AFA uh, crew. Uh, but well, that's a news, important news related to Colombia and also Argentina because he's Argentinian and he has been linked with Argentina. Indeed, that announcement was made on Tuesday, um, the day before today, because we're recording on Wednesday, and Wednesday uh, is the 25th anniversary of a very famous clash between Argentina and Colombia. Um, oh. It is the 25th anniversary of the 5 0 in the Monumental. Um, when Fastino Aspria got a hat-trick uh, in a World Cup qualifier. So if we have any Colombian um, listeners, then happy anniversary. <laughs> Three gritted teeth from this Argentine football podcast. Um, but anyway, before that friendly against Colombia, um, I've forgotten his name. What's his name? Lionel Escaloni, the manager. Sorry, Lionel. Um, has got to put together the same a team. name that Messi and you forgot yeah no it wasn't the first name I forgot it was the, it was the last name um, has, has got to put together a team to take on Guatemala and he's been switching around the lineup. it looks now as if Sergio Romero uh, my fellow Manchester United supporters will be interested to hear is not going to be fit to play in either of these friendlies uh, he might be, but he's probably not going to be. He's remaining with the party anyway, um, but he's probably not going to feature. Um, the team who played on Wednesday for uh, what looks like the, the starting lineup for Friday night's game uh, is Geronimo Rulli in goal, Renzo Sarabia, Alan Franco, Ramiro Funes Mori, who is the most capped player in the squad after Romero with 18 international appearances. Um, and Nicolás Tagliafico in a four-man backline. Giovanni Lo Celso, Rodrigo Battaglia, and Ezequiel Palacios of River Plate in midfield. Christian Pavón of Boca Juniors on the right wing. Gonzalo Martínez of River on the left. And Giovanni Simeone, who is this season with... Is he still at Genoa? No, Fiorentina. Fiorentina? Oh, of course, yeah. My Italian club. I completely forgot he'd moved there. That's how much attention I paid to Italian football. Um, up front. Um, what do you think of that lineup, Andres? Well, it's well, of we, course... Of we should course. clarify that uh, Paolo Di is, is arriving today. I'd like, I'd had some personal stuff now, and he was delayed. And now, yeah. But yes. sorry, what, what, what do you make of this 11? Icardi had some problems, physical problems, as well as Lautaro Martinez. That's why they aren't in the... Mm-hmm. I don't know whether... That's why they are not in the starting lineup, but that's one reason. Of course, brand new national team, and, and it's only a, a friendly and against Guatemala, so I expect a, a victory, and not to celebrate that victory because it's against Guatemala, but uh, it's a test, and I, as a test, I, 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 I hope it's, it goes well with, of course, names that uh, uh, one or two months ago were not even in our minds, like, for example, Lorenzo Sarabia, uh, even when initially... Bustos was the one who was standing in the right back as a right back, mm-hmm. which is a little, little more known than, than him. Renzo Sarabia is the former Belgrano right back and now at Racing. Doing well, doing well is decent, I think, the yeah. way he's playing. Uh, 
don't know whether he's prepared or not for a, for for the national team, the major national team. Uh, for because, for example, Ezequiel Palacio has 19 years old, and he could still be in the in the 20s. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now he has been called up for his first cup ever for national team, the major, the the big, or however, or whatever. Uh, so there, are, yes, names that surprise, of course. Uh, Ramiro Funes Mori is not surprising because he, as you, as you said, uh, has yet has played already. Not a lot, but has already been in the in the squad. And then yes, Alan Franco, another guy uh, that in, for, from Independiente, also doing well, but in the in the Superliga, and of course, well, continental competitions, not a single uh, appearance in the in the in the team in the in Argentina. So yes, in the midfield, of course, again, it's brand new. All new, all of them are new. Are Xavier Palacios with Bataglia and. Uh, and well, Lachelso is the the <laughs> the one who has more experience there. Again, we have to say yeah. not a lot, but the the one who has more. Uh, I'm not sure how Lachelso has started the season because I've I've not. Uh, I mean, I know that Betis won the Clásico on Sunday. I don't know whether he's been playing for them though because he joined them fairly late, didn't he? Yeah, Betis. A week and a half ago. He has been. Uh, transferred to Betis. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm saying, I mean, ah. he, he he joined them fairly recently, yes. so I don't know how much yes. he's actually been playing. Yes, one week or ten days ago. So far. Um, whether he's, he's made a, an appearance for them yet or not. Um, no, that's not going to be quick to find out, is it? So we'll leave that for now. You will know, listeners, um, and it's uh, it, it will maybe affect things, but I mean, it, it, it's going to be a, a welcome return to some football for him probably after, after making such a late transfer it's, it's never brilliant um, and yeah I mean is Rodrigo Batalla the future of the, the Argentine number 5 position now that Lucas Biglia and Javier Mascherano have both retired at the same time well uh, Paredes was there before uh, before Battaglia and finally Scaloni well we don't know we have to say that this is the formation that he prepared today and we don't know Apparently, appears to be more the or likely to be the one that finally starts the match against Guatemala because it's in two days time mm. but we don't know exactly whether this will be the formation but it was Paredes before Bataglia who or again not a lot but he has already been playing uh, with Sampaoli in the friendlies before the the, the, the World Cup um, and after the, the the Argentina qualified to the to the World Cup um, but uh, yes, it's uh, I know it's the future. Uh, Ascasibar is more, I think, it's more a, a defensive midfielder. But uh, it was natural, more more natural to think Ascasibar to be there than Bataglia. Even when Bataglia has different, I think, uh, style of play. Yes, indeed. As as you say, Paredes was in there. Um, the pre- I'll just scroll down Peter's Twitter timeline now to to get the, the other lineup. It was largely the same, apart from Paredes being in for. Um, and Franco, and Franco Bustos and Herman Petzela on the right yes. side of defence um, yes. instead of Alan Franco and uh, Renzo Sarabia. So most of that 11 is, is looking fairly fixed. Yes. Uh, Mauro Icardi, in case anybody's wondering and in case anyone's thinking, God, Mauro Icardi still isn't going to play, what's going on? Um, he is expected to play against Colombia 
Um, oh. So as Andres said, said a, a few minutes ago, that it looks like that sort of um, whatever the, the physical problem is, is probably what's what's keeping him out. Uh, Lautaro Martinez, though. And he, he also has some physical issues, I think. Ah, okay. okay. He ha- has been in the bench in the, in the, over the weekend uh, for his match with Inter, but uh, didn't even... Uh, didn't play even a single minute, but mm. uh, apparently he has been some some problems there with physical problems, and uh, that's why he isn't included. Uh, and Tagliafico will be the captain there. Yes, he will, in spite of Ramiro Funes Mori's greater international experience. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, also, you know, if, if Giovanni Simeone does uh, start, then it, it's going to be uh, an important game for him because I think I'm right in saying. Um, that it's going to be his Argentina debut at senior level. Yes. And therefore, he will go to a mere 105 games uh, behind his father in national team appearances. Uh, Diego Simeone is the... Is he third on the all-time list? Is it Mascherano and then Sanetti and then Simeone? Yes, could be. I think. Fifth. Oh, there we go. Should have checked it before asking the question, shouldn't I? Um, he is fifth on the all-time list. Uh, Giovanni is probably not going to um, get that close to him, given that he is already 23 and is about to make his debut. Um, but it'll be nice to see that father yes, and son. Can you remember any other fathers and sons who've played for Argentina? Um, what? This is something I should have asked you before, um, yes. shouldn't I? But I, it hadn't occurred to Well, Iwain um, hasn't been playing Jorge Iwain, the, the father of, of I Gonzalo. I can't imagine that Jorge Iwain played for... You know, oh, he might have done. Actually, right, let's, let's check. Because they weren't very good for some of his career, were they? Verón, uh, the father of Verón, hasn't played, hasn't played in the... Jorge Iwain does not appear to have played Sorry. for the national team. He played for Nueva Chicago, Gimnasia, San Lorenzo, Boca, Stad, Brestois, which of course is when Gonzalo was born, River and Banfield. But there is no mention there of, of Boca. And the, the witch, the witch Verón, father. Ramon Verón, Juan Ramon Verón, uh, played, that could be a good shout actually. Also did not play for the national team. Oh. Well, so not very many. If, if those two didn't, in particular if, yes. if, if Ramon Veron didn't, because he was um, a very handy midfielder by all accounts. Um, we'll, we'll have to try and look into that if, if Giovanni does. I imagine it will become much easier to look into if Giovanni makes his appearance, because certain people on Twitter yes. will start to tweet statistics well, we have about to, it. We'll to wait 20 years to see if, if Thiago Messi plays. Yes. <laughs> or the other one. Yes. What's that? I Mateo. The other one's called. Thank you. Yes, Mateo. Um... That that will be a bit of a wait. Um, so yeah, the national. T- what are we expecting apart from a victory over Guatemala? Um, because you know the, whether or not, for instance, Rodrigo Battaglia um, is the future of the number five role for Argentina. One thing that we do know is that Lionel Scaloni is not the future of the manager's job for Argentina. Um, but he so- started something at least, which is the the names or the new names. Mm. Uh, it's not to say well, it's okay to to te- to have this. Experiments, uh, because there, we think that there, lots, there are there is a lot of time and there isn't a lot of time because we have Copa America in one year time. Also, the qualifiers start soon. Uh, not so, it's not a lot of time that we have. And AFA is in a mess. Is still in, in a big mess. And and uh, well, we don't know whether Peckerman is a solution. 
because he has just uh, resigned to Colombia and perhaps he doesn't want to, to talk with anyone still. But uh, uh, I'm going to quickly correct you. The Copa America is in nine months' time, yes. by the way, because it starts on the 6th of June. Um, so carry on. Yeah, so uh, at least Scaloni is doing what he had to do, which is to prove and to test and, 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 and uh, bring new names to the national team and try to at least build something from the names that are available. Uh, that's the minimum, and he's doing that. So we uh, must wait and see what happens with these players, along with these uh, friendlies. I will put focus more on Colombia, because it's, of course, more difficult. It's nothing... I will discover, uh, but yes, it's a question of time, not a lot of time, but we have to wait this uh, start with Scaloni, uh, with the new names and see what happens. Yes, indeed. Um, it, it should be entertaining, at least. Yes. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, I mean, hopefully they, they play with a little more freedom and a little more uh, togetherness. It's even awkward... Or, 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 or strange for Giovanni Simeone to be the, the, the number nine of the national team when he has never been there mm. and when it's all the time it was said that Argentina had a lot of strikers and now for example even when Dybala is not a, a, a will be the similar case with Mauro Zarate is not the striker to be as uh, the number nine but Dybala is not available because he has uh, been arriving he will arrive he, uh, now or he has been arrived he arrived uh, some time ago or two hours ago or whatever. Um, Icardi is injured, Lautaro Martinez is injured, Iguain uh, and Aguero are, are from the old, perhaps, uh, squad and are not now being taken into account. So if you discard these names, those names, there aren't so many. Yeah. You put to think. No, absolutely. I mean, similar to midfielders, as I made the point during the World Cup, and, and uh, yeah, well, during the World Cup, that Argentina has this reputation for producing loads of midfielders, and yet, actually, in terms of the really top class ones at the moment, who, as I put it, during the World Cup, there's, because, there's nobody who's bossing a European, uh, a, a massive European club's midfield at the moment. Because if you call up a lot of uh, players from the local stage or the Argentinian uh, or the Superliga, like Gonzalo Martinez, like Pavon, in the attack, why don't, for example, I I say something stupid, but Blandi. Uh, mm. I say name because it's one of the best strikers here. Uh, uh, I, I won't say Rivas or or Garcia because they are, they are Uruguayan, but uh, I mean someone like like they, like him. Uh, yeah, no, and you're, and you're right, and you know you could also. If we wanted to troll a little bit as well, we could point yes. out that Blandi is scoring goals almost week in, week out in big matches for San Lorenzo, um, who are not a team who are playing with a tremendous amount of direction at the moment, to put it mildly. Um, we've had some listeners' questions, one or two of them. Um, actually, no, not one or two of them, three of them. That's how many listeners' questions we've had this week. So here we go with them. Tom Robinson says, thoughts on Diego Morales, top notch... Oh, we've had four, sorry, we've got one by email. Uh, Tom Robinson by Twitter says, thoughts on Diego Morales, top notch slash man bun. Is it the source of two goal Tigres attacking prowess this season? He's having a good term. Uh, The hair isn't brilliant, I have to say. But, um, yeah, it could be. Along with Lucas Menossi's feet. Yes, that's that's why I mentioned him uh, before. Uh, because it's a midfielder, center midfielder, and he scored twice. Uh, 
and both are were brilliant goals. Hmm. Yeah. So, yes. Um, Brian Bertie has the question that the other question that Andres mentioned before, saying Miguel Araujo has been subject to praise from Tacheres fans upon his arrival. How are Tacheres financially to see if he can use the club as a stepping stone? In other words, are they easy to take players off or do they stagnate? I don't know whether Tacheres is a like a some a, a team in which you, a new European team will look for players, but. Could be that uh, he uh, is he performs a, a great uh, season and also he has been called up as I said for the Peru national team. Mm. Um, so Brian is, is a Peru uh, football blogger and, yes. and podcaster, which is which is why he's asking. Okay, and uh, what we can say is that uh, he had a, a, a tough test last Sunday or Saturday against Ecuador uh, Cruz and. I, as I said, he blocked uh, hmm. very in a very well form to uh, Santiago Garcia, who's uh, we we know how he uses his body and and he's also dangerous with his uh, strikes. Um, Carry on. We're okay. just going to pretend oh, that that uh, okay. creaking door didn't happen. <laughs> so uh, it's not. It wasn't easy, and he did it. So uh, and he even had a header that wasn't. Uh, about to score, but uh, he he also contributed in attack. So uh, I I see say, I saw him solid as a solid centre back. Uh, it's just he has just arrived to Tashere, so it's quite early to predict something. Yes, he will be the best, but uh, at least he started well. Yeah, and in terms of Tashere's finances, um, look, no, no one in Argentina has got any money. Uh, that goes for football clubs and for people. <laughs> um, Boca are the only club who have any sort of spare cash to try to hang on to players, really. Um, although River have have a certain amount of ability to do that and Racing, because of the money that they got from Lautaro Martinez, have got a bit of a cushion. Um, Tacheres are one of the better off clubs in the interior and, you know, not one of the, the big five. Um, they're, they're reasonably well financed. Um, but they still don't have a hell of a lot of cash. And the Argentine peso, as you might have heard if you've been reading the uh, the non-footballing news in the last week or so, because I know it's been reported um, around the world, is currently the second worst performing currency on the planet behind the Turkish lira. Oh, no, the third worst, sorry, because there was a, a table that got tweeted around by lots of people showing only the Turkish lira was worse. And you took one look at it and were like, right, but... Why is the Venezuelan Bolivar not on there? So the, it's the third worst performing currency um, in the world at the moment. Argentina has just hiked its interest rates to apparently the highest interest rates on the planet, 60%, percent uh, for our financial um, listeners. Um, and as such, if a European club, if a Mexican club, if uh, an MLS club um, come in with an offer and it's in dollars or euros... Um, it's going to be very difficult for anybody at the moment in Argentina to turn that down. But I heard that, uh, if I am not wrong, that Monterrey uh, offered 18 million, I, I assume that dollars, not euros, because mm-hmm. Mexico is not in euros, uh, to Mesa, Maximiliano Mesa, and he declined the offer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I read that as well. Um, maybe he's holding out for a, a move to Europe. Maybe he knows something we don't. But... Boca has money. I think it's the richest, of course, uh, club in Argentina. But he, they don't have a lot of money. 
Infer- no, no, exactly. Infer- Having a lot of money compared with everyone else in Argentina just of means course. you've got yes. some money. Angelisi said that they will have to perhaps renegotiate their contracts mm. uh, since this dollar. Uh, well, yeah, a lot of clubs are going to have to do that at the end of the year. Um, what Boca certainly don't have the money to do is, is build a new stadium, which uh, Angelisi has been talking about quite a lot again in the last day or two. Um, and uh, upsetting a few Boca fans with the thought of that. Uh, they do have to sort something out for the, for the Bombonera, but um, where they're going to get the cash to build a whole new one from, I don't know. Paul Richardson says, I'm not sure this will get to you on time. Don't worry, Paul, it did. He says, with Argentina's need for a so-called number 10, would Ignacio Piatti not be an option? Maybe, but let's see how he does. It's in Canada, I think, it's a difficult. Because he's the Ignacio Piatti that plays in Montreal. Oh yes, we yes, have yes, yeah, yeah. we discussed. I was this getting him mixed up with um, yes. the chap who's just gone to Italy from Morocco. Who was that? That is playing in Spain. Ignacio Pusetto is, ah. is who I was getting him confused with. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, no, so probably not playing in MLS is the short answer to that one. But maybe if he moves on, uh, unless he has uh, signed for other team, and I don't know. Uh, I think he plays for Montreal Impact, and in that case, it will be very difficult. Let's Google him and see who he's playing for. Ignacio Piatti. I say Google. I mean type into the search box in Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, he's playing for Montreal Impact, so no. Uh, the answer to that one is is no, Paul. And we've had one by email from Ese Todoriki, who Todoroki. Sorry, Ese. I've been pronouncing your last name wrong this whole time. I've only just noticed that's an O, not an I. Ese Todoroki. Please, people, if if I'm saying your name wrong, uh, then do let me know because I don't like to mispronounce anyone's name. Um, says who would like. Who would we like to see in the starting lineup against Guatemala and against Colombia? Which type of system should the new manager employ in these games? Um, I'm going to answer the second question first because I think that the obviously in, in Argentina's current situation, especially where we know that Echelon is not probably, almost definitely not going to be the manager still in sort of uh, four or five months' time, um, I don't think that the system is as important as the names that he brings through um, for the future. I quite like the look of the lineup against Guatemala, given the purposes that it is being named for. If Argentina are lining up with that exact lineup for the first match of the Copa America, <laughs> then I will adopt the attitude that Claudio Tapia adopted a few hours ago when being interviewed by Teise Sports, um, the president of the Argentine Football Association, who said, if anybody thinks that we're going to win next year's Copa America, then we're not. It's always good when the people at the top are optimistic, isn't it? Um, it's it's not an, a stellar lineup, but I don't think there's an awful lot wrong with it for the purposes of blooding new talent, yes. bringing people through, potentially, hopefully, crossing your fingers like crazy and hoping that you can work Lionel Messi back into the squad um, in the new year. Anyway, I, I see this this I see this uh, far from a foundation or refoundation. It's there are new players that are being uh, that we will see how they are are how they if they are uh, suitable for for the t-shirt that it's a big t-shirt like or heavy t-shirt like the national team Argentina national team in fact Ezequiel Palacios uh, I, I watched uh, uh, an interview on ESPN saying that he couldn't believe where he was standing. That proves the, 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 the challenge that means for him and for the others. Also, also Gonzalo Martinez, Pity Martinez. His first call-up ever, and they will be, they are going to be 
uh, in the starting lineup, even when he's in, against Guatemala. So I think this is something new, but it's far from from area from the foundation. For for to call this a foundation, there should be a, a real project, and this not yeah. something that we say project as a title and, and nothing else. Uh, but of course, it's something. It's something. It's not a lot, but it's something. That yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Scaloni is doing what he can without knowing who's coming after him, without knowing who that person is going to want for himself. You know, he, he has to take certain um, risks and, and, and certain guesses uh, when it comes to deciding who's going to have a future for a national team that isn't going to be put together by him himself. And that's... It's not a job that I would want. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you know, if... if uh, as somebody who plays football manager, you think, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love that challenge. But knowing that you're only going to be in charge uh, for for six or eight matches um, and that you have to then prepare the ground for someone else and not knowing who that someone else is. So you can't exactly go to them and say, look, you know, who, who do you want me to call up? Who, who would you like me to give some game time to before you take the reins? And did anyone, It's a very, very difficult balancing act. Has anyone told Scaloni what will he do if there is a new coach uh, after this friend list? Because Scaloni he was, remains as the under twenty manager, no? Oh, because he I was think. the he was supporting or the assistant of Sampoli. Uh, but yes, I I forgot that that he was the mm. the the coach we, along with Placente. No, Placente and Aymar were in the under seventeen. Yes, which is why Aymar. I think Aymar is in charge for the. Or, or, sorry, he, he's going to be the assistant, if I remember rightly, on Friday for the Guatemala yes. game, and then he's immediately after the game he's flying back down to Argentina because the under-17s are, are playing in some tournament or he's got a, a match to take charge of for them or something. Um, or something along those lines. Um, so, yeah. Okay. It, but it's a, yes. it's a peculiar it, situation. Yes, it will be strange for Scaloni saying, uh, uh, the AFA saying, Scaloni, okay, thank you very much uh, for this friendly and you're gone. Uh, but no, yes, I, I, I remember now that... Uh, Yes, he's the coach of under twenties. Yeah, those hopefully are all of the question, the questions that we've had. We haven't had any more, at least by email. I'm just checking very quickly now. Um, we have had, or I've had by my email, an email from somebody whose name I'm not going to read um, because I don't know whether you're, whether he is a listener or not. Uh, or whether he just found me randomly and decided that I might be interested in this. Uh, but if you're the person who sent me the email about 5.38, thank you. And uh, I might mention this next week when we're back to talking about the league again for some of it, because obviously we've got the international breaks, so there's no Super Liga football this weekend. Um, there will be Copa Argentina. There will matches. be Copa Argentina, and there will also be Copa BBBA. Ah, Yes. Because River Plate are travelling to Cordoba to play a friendly with Tacheres uh, in the middle of the international break due to sponsors. Yes. Which is a confusing one because River aren't sponsored by maybe they are anymore. Yes. It's they they don't have anybody on their shirts. And no, they still I, have to go and play this stupid yes. friendly. Must um, be a new contract that they have signed and there weren't time, they yeah. didn't have time to play that, that friendly. Or maybe they are still sponsored by them but they're just not the, the shirt sponsors they, anymore. The, the they only come to an agreement with that. The only relation that River has with that company right now is that the river supporters can hold a card that credit card mm -hmm. uh, that is called Tarjeta River or River card and they have discounts on on, on the mem membership of the river the, as, as socios mm. and discounts on the uh, merchandise and and the two lugar in El Monumental which is the to reserve a place 
Uh, for example, in the San Martin yeah. Tribune or, or, or Belgrano, uh, and they c also have discounts there. Uh, but so there's, there's still some kind of an official yes. um, relationship between the two entities, even though they're not on the shirt anymore. Um, anyway, that's it. If you're a Hand of Pod Extra listener, then you'll get a small extra episode which Andres and I are about to record, and which you've probably already listened to by the time you hear this. Thank you very much to all of our Hand of Pod Extra listeners. You can become one by going to Patreon dot com p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash hand of pod and signing up at the five dollar a month or more level um it means an awful lot to us that so many people are doing this it's tremendously helpful uh, particularly at this time of economic hardship in argentina where your dollars go even further yes. um this month than they ever have done before um and obviously as i say every week it allows me to give andres some cash for being kind enough to come here as well and not asking him to work for free which is a very nice situation to be in. Um, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to talk to you about Argentina's thumping victories over Guatemala and Colombia. They're going to crush them both. Sorry, Colombians listening, and Guatemalans, if there are any of you. Um, or just as equally um, about Argentina's slightly embarrassing capitulations to them. Uh, and to preview the fifth round, the one-fifth of the way through the season point, um, of the I was about to say Copa Argentina but that's wrong isn't it of the Superliga Argentina for now it's thanks and good night from Andres thank you goodbye and from me thanks and goodbye